When you hear that intro, it could mean only one thing. George Thorogood here on episode 49 of the Bagel Tunes podcast, brought to you by Bageltopia.com. Most of you out in Bageltopia land know this guy, his guitar, and of course the video to Bad to the Bone, one of the first video hits ever on MTV in the 80s. George Thorogood has been pumping out rock and blues for 30-some years with the world's greatest bar band, The Destroyers. I'll be honest with you, at first I thought he was going to bite my head off, but once you get to know the guy, you'll find out he just wants to rock, entertain the people, and survive in the music biz. Catch George Thorogood live at the Bakersfield Fox. Theater Thursday, April 12, 2007 at 8 p.m. Get your tickets now. Watch yourself. This is episode 49 of the Bagel Tunes podcast brought to you by who? Bageltopia.com, of course. Matt. Mr. George Thorogood. That's right. It's a pleasure and an honor to meet you. Well, I thank you even if it is over the telephone. How are you doing, man? I'm going to play in Bakersfield at the Fox Theater. Yes, April 12th. We are looking forward to it. You know, Bakersfield obviously loves George Thorogood. You've been through here a few times. Well, you know, you're kicking off, you're officially kicking off your latest tour on April 6th. Mm -hmm. Um, But are you still making appearances before then? I mean, do you just play year-round and you have, like, this is the official tour? Well, we still have, you know, current product. We're uh, we're still in the middle of uh, a cycle of an album called The Hard Stuff. We generally knock off in the fall and the winter and then pick it up in the spring and go right through the summer. You know, we used to do it the other way around because it was too much competition in the summer and then we started to catch up to the competition. It took us years to do that, but now the promoter's saying, oh, no, we don't want George here in November. We want him here in August or we want him here in April. You know, when people start going out to see the shows again, you know. So now it's like a seasonal thing. and Well, seasonal blues, huh? <laughs> well, I call it I call it seasonal entertainment. You yeah. call it blues, rock, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, it's just what, what's entertaining to what's enter. You know, the promoters aren't real hung up whether it's blues, rock, country, classic, or uh, you know uh, whether it's reggae or jazz. It's just what fills the place. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah definitely. That, that, and, and rock generally you know, rules when it comes to that. I want to go back to, because I was looking at your bio, and I've known about you for years. I mean, whoever doesn't know about George Thorogood is obviously crazy if they've been watching MTV since the 80s. But coming out of Delaware, you know, how was the blues scene in the 70s where you were living? There wasn't one. Really? So you kind of created your own scene there? More or less. More more like less. Yeah. <laughs> more or less than more. <laughs> yeah, so it was just your band. I mean, I was like, Delaware, wow, he came from Well, Delaware. actually, we played more in Philadelphia. Oh, really? Okay. I was born in Delaware. We did. We had one place we played in Delaware, I think. Uh, we played mostly in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia, Chatsford, uh, Westchester. We went up to Boston occasionally. We lived in Boston for a while, Jeff and I. We played a lot up there. That had a very big blue scene. I, one I, which we were not connected to very much. <laughs> yeah, and I read in there that you took the band to Boston to further your career. And then, so, how long were you in Boston? Uh, was that kind of like your, your, your... About a year, about a year and a half. Really? And then, when did you get your break? When did you get signed? Very delicate question. I'm not sure myself. <laughs> I mean, we recorded in like a couple times. We recorded in, I think, May of 76, and they didn't get the record out till almost September of 77. So that record sat on a shelf for 18 months. That was the worst 18 months of my life. Oh, man. I mean, I said, if the Allman Brothers or the Jay Giles man puts that bourbon scotch and beer, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead. You, you laugh. It wasn't funny. Oh, boy. But that was the song that was going to break us, and I was uh, right. It did. It's still being played on the radio now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I knew that was the one that was going to, you know, get us up and running. And every week, I'd call around the records. What held it up? They wouldn't They wouldn't spring for the money for a picture on the cover. What a drag. So we had to take a Kodak picture and slap it on there. 
God. Well, that's how bad things were for me, uh, Matt. Yeah. Uh, so that was a rough time in my life, and we didn't get around. And, and on top, we finally get the record come out, and guess what day it finally gets released? The day Elvis Presley died. I mean, this band was doomed from day one. I mean, this, I'm not coming into the good years till right now. I mean, the struggle of this band has had is just like, I remember reading a thing about the animals. Eric Burden once told me, you know, the animals, Eric oh. Burden, he said, well, they didn't get the band together till you know, in about January of eight of 64. And then, and then we had a tough time because we couldn't get a contract till May. And they, they did, the, the single was released in June. It was number one in July. So House of the Rising Sun was number one in July. They put the band together in January. He was talking about how rough they had it. Yeah, yeah. The, I'm saying, excuse me? For them. Excuse me? <laughs> I, I must have wax in my ears. <laughs> well, talking about, like, the break and then the, the 80s, I mean, like, the video for Bad to the Bone is probably many people's introduction to George Thorogood in the 80s. Like, And this is, like, right in the middle, like, the whole new wave craze and, you know, mm -hmm. videos are out, Duran Duran and all that stuff. I mean, you were, like, the blues guy. It kind of just came out of nowhere. It did that, you know. But timing bad, is everything. I mean, timing is everything. Wow. I, I'll hear you how it works. Here's how it works, especially in entertainment and timing is everything. The reason Bourbon Scotch and Beer hit, because FM radio at those days, it was on the tail end of FM. They would play anything on FM from 67 to 77. Uh -huh. That was the heyday of FM. In other words, it was what you call underground music. Now they call it alternative oh, rock. Alternative, independent, yeah, whatever. Yeah, in those days, it was called underground rock or counterculture. <laughs> um, and the Rounder Record got in on it just before they slammed the door on that, before that died. Okay, so we got lucky. Had it been three years later, we would never would have made it because they never would have played bourbon, scotch, and beer on commercial radio. Let's face it. It got in on underground radio. Jim Ladd broke it, and, and, and the rest is history. In 1981, we decided we wanted to make a video, and people said, well, how did he get on there? He played a blues song, and everybody was Duran Duran, and it was this, and it was that. MTV would have taken anything. They were on for 24 hours. They didn't have enough material to put on the thing. And I kept begging EMI, saying, let's do a video now before they sell it to a, to a, a high corporation, and they'll have a limited amount of artists will be able to be played. In other words, the demand was bigger than the supply. There was 24 hours of MTV, so they would have played anything. Yeah, they so had, like, even George Thurgood. They had like, this, like 20 Rod Stewart videos they would just show over and over. Yeah, and then because you came that, in. You know, that's because they, they would take anything. I knew that. But at the time, it's like a new restaurant where you go to and everything's for free. And then after a while, when they get the customers, they start charging outrageous amounts. And then, you know, so I knew that. So that so we got in on that. Okay, that's step number two, which uh -huh. helped this band. Step number three was in 1990, they recreated something called Classic Rock Radio. Okay. Guy told me, he said, well, the three songs we played to get it off the ground were Jumpin' Jack Flash, uh, Rockin' Me Baby, and Bad to the Bone. That, that made my whole career right there all over again. Mm -hmm. All over again, that r r classic rock radio uh, put the Destroyers in a hole. So that was phase number three that helped the band. Timing. Again, timing. If we hadn't had Bay of the Bone, it wouldn't have happened. See what I mean? If MTV hadn't have been in its infancy, we would have never got in. Um, and the, but the video is really great. I mean, it's kind of a timeless video because there's nothing corny about it. I mean, you have Bo Diddley in there. Mm -hmm. You're kind of like recreating the whole uh, Paul Newman thing coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool it's supposed to. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It's, a, it's The guy who directed it was a big movie buff. So was I. And we tried it to make it like a like an old-time spaghetti western. At the same time, um, you know, like like you said, the, the, the gunslinger, but Bad Bo is the man. And his boss is Willie Moscone, Mr. Big. And then he comes the kid. Yeah. You know, it's like an old Western. And we put those elements in it to make it like 
a mini movie. Oh, and that was um, a great video. So thank you. So that was that was done on purpose. Uh-huh. After the classic rock radio, which is still pretty much going strong now, a thing came up called the House of Blues. Who's a band that rocks but has blues roots? The Destroyers. I mean, see what I'm saying? I mean, it's like saying, well, we're going to open a bar. What should we put in there? You go, Budweiser. What are you, crazy? He said, well, the House of Blues, who should we put in here? George Thurgood and Destroyers. I mean, that's, Eric Clapton charges too much. Aerosmith is more rock than blues. See what I'm saying? So that helped us. Another boost. And then this India Casino thing started happening. And they they, they came after us with tomahawks. (laughs) I mean, they chased us into those casinos. And they wouldn't take no for an answer. At least said, get it, we got to have a rock band that we can afford, and you guys are it. So those, all those elements combined, and having the right material that would fit in all those different criterias, mm-hmm. helped this band. I didn't know someday there would be MTV. I didn't know someday there'd be classic rock radio. I didn't know there'd be House of Blues or the casino thing happening. I just happened to have the right material that fit all those things. Yeah. And that's what's got us where we are now. Classic rock radio is here to stay. It's not going to go away. Well, and uh, also also the, the, the fact that, that your songs are so good, and you know, rock and roll will always be around no matter what of is course. popular on of course. you know MTV or any of that crap right, right. you know so I mean you're guaranteed to have an audience because mm-hmm. you know people see you live they're like George Starwood comes out with a new album and hopefully a lot of people go out and get it and then they get reacquainted with the stuff that they've probably been ignoring for years and like sure it brings oh, back right. the old stuff yeah, it brings back the other stuff as yeah. well yeah. it's like an actor doing a new movie you know they go oh I've heard from this well oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it was okay it wasn't as good as Goodfellas hey let's go see Goodfellas <laughs> see what I mean yeah, it's it's just kind of the same process. I remember a long time ago. It's always one of the things I always remember about some uh, of your history was that I remember one time one of your guitars was stolen from one of your shows. Did that ever get recovered? Yeah, yeah, it did. Exactly. It happened to me three times, and all three the, times the, the guitar same white got one back. That you got the white one got stolen twice, and I had my my original one stolen once. Yeah, well, I went on on public to say, please don't steal these guitars because they're, they're the only kind I know how to play. And they stopped making them in 1970. So it isn't like I have a whole wall of them. And I can't play any other instrument. I mean, that's like, like Brian Setzer's Gretsch. Everybody says, well, he, that's a signature. But Brian can't really play any other guitar. To, for him to be Brian Setzer, he has to play that guitar. Lucille is a Gibson 355 stereo, which they still make them. Um, if, so if someone steals BB's guitar, yes, he can get another one. Someone steals mine, I can't. So that way I put a, a I didn't put a big reward, but the people who, who, who are my guitar techs, if one of those guitars gets stolen, then they're fined like $50,000 and they're fired immediately. Well, so it means they keep an eye on them. I had to do that. I mean, I wasn't doing it to be cruel. I just said, you don't understand how valuable these instruments are. You have to keep your eye on them. Uh, when they sold them, they sold for like $200 a piece, but that's not the value of them. The value of them is I can't play anything else. You know what I'm saying? Personal value. Well, it's my it's my job. You know, I can't do my job without those guitars. Cool. So when someone steals it, they're not realizing that. They're thinking, oh, these guitar players got millions of dollars and they can buy any guitar they want. Not that guitar. Leave it to me. <laughs> I'm the only one they don't make anymore. Yeah. What did you What did you think of the of the Scorsese blues documentary series? It was okay. Was anything missing from the research? I mean, I'm sure you could probably find a lot of things because you're well versed in blues. But I, mean, I don't know if there's anything missing. I'm not a blues expert. The Scorsese movie I like. I like the movie uh, like Mean Streets, Taxi Driver. So, but, but, Raging Bull. But let me go back to that that whole question about knowing stuff about the blues. What do you consider yourself? Just you know, I'm just a rock guitarist, or do you consider yourself a blues guitarist? Like entertainer. Let's see your latest CD, The Hard Stuff. It features renditions of songs made by famous people. You know, Bob Dylan, Fats mm-hmm. Domino, John Lee Hooker, mm-hmm. Mona's. How important is it for you to pay tribute to some of the people who have influenced you? Are you paying tribute to them, or are you just like, you know, that's a great. No, I'm out of material. No, if I could write, a, if I could write a whole album of original material like Bob. Dylan, I'd do it. 
<laughs> but I can't, you know. So I get I get like two or three songs that they think are right for me, and then but they they want ten other ones. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do now? Now the first two records I did, the first two or three, I researched all that material for ten years. So I was ready to go. I walked into the studio ready to go to work, and Rounder flipped out when I walked in. I said, "Here's what we're going to do on this album. Here's what we're going to do on the next one." Here, they said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." I said, well, I'm no kid, you know, I'm 26 years old here. I've been researching this stuff for the last 10 years. And these are the songs that no other artist has copied yet, you know, or covered like John Hammond or The Stones or, mm-hmm. or Zeppelin. And I said, here's the ones I've written. Now let's get to work. Let's go to work and put these songs out. And they thought I was, they thought I was being a bit pushy. I said, I'm not pushy. I'm overdue. I was supposed to be doing this two or three years ago. Um, but I couldn't find a label that could get behind what I was doing. I said, no, I'm, I'm overdue. I should have been doing this a while back and we have to make a move on this material before somebody else does before somebody else records bourbon scotch and beer time is of the essence oh no 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 absolutely you know i'm a musician myself and i know that listening to the things that you're saying about it's definitely you're making sure that you survive Mm -hmm. you know because you have to and so i totally respect everything that Mm -hmm. you do and i i completely understand try just trying to stay afloat in the industry you Mm -hmm. know first of all and then just trying to take care of yourself you know after that i was done Exactly. I said these are these are the this tune Bourbon Scotch I say I say this and Spencer Davis agreed with me. I didn't make those songs famous. Those songs made me famous. If Tom Waits had done Bourbon Scotch and Beer, it would have been just as big a hit. If Jay Giles had done it, if Dean Martin had done it, it would have been just as big a hit. Just think if say, you know, Aerosmith did Bad to the Bone, it would have been great because they're a great rock band. See what I'm saying? If the songs are what I would say, come on, we gotta record a song before somebody else does. Dylan wrote Mr. Tambourine Man, he wasn't in a panic that someone else would would scoop him and beat him to the punch because there's only one Dylan, there's only one Mr. Tamarima, and nobody in the world can write that. But the songs I was doing, Get a Haircut, I said, it's a matter of time before Neil Young gets a grunge band from Seattle to back him up, and he does a song similar to this. Get a Haircut is no different than the song the Crosby, Stills, and Nash did in the day when they did, I Almost Got My Hair. Happened the other day. You remember that song? Vaguely, vaguely. But well, what I'm saying is, every new generation, there's themes. There's songs that the new people haven't heard yet. And I just follow up on that. There's nothing really unique about what I, as I do. I just seem to get to it six months before somebody else does. <laughs> See? But you got a really dynamic personality, you know, on stage. I mean, you rip it up. You know? Well, that helps. I mean, to help to have a live stage act. Yeah, but you can only go as far as the material you have. I know other bands. Uh, there's a band that we used to open for. Now they open for us. And their guitar player's got a big, big ego, you know, Matt. And he just constantly busting my balls about, Well, what are you doing, Famous? You know I'm a better guitar player than you are. I'm uh-huh. a better singer than you are. I understand. I understand. Finally, I had to sit the guy down. I said, you want to really know why you're opening for me? I'll give you three reasons. Bad to the bone, bourbon, scotch, and beer, and move it on over. Now, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I you hear know? you. I hear you. I, I mean, you. can Mick Jagger, can he really sing like Barbara Streisand? No. <laughs> well, then where would he be with that jumping Jack Flash? True. True. You got it? Very if you know what I'm point. saying? Very good point. Very good Barbara point. Barbara can sing anything and make yeah. it work. Mick's got... There's two things in the world. There's, there's genius and very clever. The Beatles, genius. The Stones, very clever. And what about you? Clever. <laughs> <laughs> They're very clever. <laughs> well, you are, you're making it happen, George. Matter of yeah. fact, they're a genius at being very clever. <laughs> well, you know, Bakersfield loves George Thorogood. What can fans expect from your latest tour stop at the Fox Theater on April 12th? Uh, make sure you get a good night's sleep the night before. Get a good meal in you. When we hit that stage, it's going to be all over. I can't. I'm in the top ten of venues all over the world. That's right for us. It's the Fox Theater. That is a rock and roll cathedral. Not a rock and roll venue. I mean, I go on. I go on the stage. I'm playing, and I'm telling you, holy things happen. 
It's like, this is the people's room. You know what I mean? I mean, Bakersfield is, I mean, come on, man. We're, 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 we talk about tertiary markets or subsidiary markets. We're the king of that. I mean, you know, people like the Stones and Springsteen and Rod Stewart, they own L.A., they own New York, they own uh, San Francisco. I always say this, people go to see the Stones, right? The destroyers go to the people. That's a great philosophy, man. Very personal. Appreciate that. As you a music fan, as a music fan, definitely. Now, if you weren't playing music for a living, what would you probably be be doing? Let's see. I don't think I can keep my mouth shut long enough to be a ventriloquist. <laughs> I think you know Dennis Leary already covered the most obnoxious personality in show business. I think him, him and I really, you know, we're very close with that. So I, I'd, it'd be very tough to think to think what I'd be doing. <laughs> a stand-up comedian, maybe? Yeah, I think I'd probably be doing that. World's most obnoxious comic. <laughs> the man, you're glad you're not him. <laughs> oh, Aren't you, you glad you're not me? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, George, I really appreciate you talking to me. Let me. Well, I got one last question. Okay, sure, man. After 20 albums you got, including live recordings, DVDs, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of accolades, everything revered around the world. You know, inspiration to a million guitar players. What's next for George Thorogood and the Destroyers? What do you, what do you see in the future? I'm 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 pleased to say, for the first time in my life, I'm I'm looking into the abyss. The fact that I'm going into the unknown is very liberating. Well said, well said. Well, thank you very much, George. I look forward to you being here on April 12th. You Rock know. never sleeps. It just passes out, Matt. Exactly. Adios, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next Friday coming out, I couldn't get the rent. 
Radio. 